This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. It's Kate Cancelo off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello, and yes, welcome to Just for Kicks. We're going to be looking today at the wide world of football, um, the League Cup, struggle to remember its name, the League Club Cup, got it wrong that time, the Premier League, and Malaysian football as well. Now, um, our two pundits today, we have Bob Holmes. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. And we have the birthday boy, uh, who has been doing commentary on the Asian Games, Des Kill. And also watching Johor win the uh, Malaysia Super League as well. Congratulations, Johor, 10 in a row. I'll tell you more about that later on. Absolutely. Uh, now, uh, we're going to go on to, I received a letter from football itself. Uh, the postcode is Switzerland. And it said that I must take the League Cup more seriously. And uh, this is what Des Corkill has been telling me for a long time as well. I've decided to do so because, Des Corkill, all of my uh, football uh, narratives in the English game have been overturned by the League Cup. I had I had Manchester City were never going to lose a match ever again. Manchester United are terrible. Chelsea can't score. And even Everton are dreadful. And yet, it's just all been overturned. Have we learned something here? Uh, well, we're learning a little bit about the depth of squads. Um, I'd, I'd also like to involve Exeter in your summary. Exeter beating Luton and Ipswich coming from 2-0 down to beat Wolves as well. Great um, great days for Exeter and Ipswich uh, who are on the rise. So, yeah, the um, the League Cup does provide the minnows, in inverted commas, as in those who had 100 years of uh, professional football behind them. It gives them a rare moment in the current spotlight. But... Uh, yeah, Newcastle beat a strongish Man City, but uh, reserve Man City. Um, so they go through. Man City are beatable. Um, Chelsea proved that Jackson can score and the Brighton are beatable as well. It, it It's just good to have football narratives where we're not talking about stupid amounts of money. We're talking about young players coming through. Um, and also Everton, they took 4,000 fans down to Villa Park for that midweek game. There is a passion for Everton Football Club. Um, that is undeniable. It'll be dreadful if they do go down, but they're showing spirit. One or two young players coming through and victories like this one at Aston Villa could help Everton uh, survive in the Premier League until the next lot of investment comes through. Bob, um, I'm going to give you the choice. Any any of these particular matches catch your eye? Before we went on air, we were talking about Salford. Uh, yes. Well, before that, I'd just like to say there's another aspect of this uh, Carabao Cup which I think is very useful to the big clubs. And that is the ability to give guys who are warming the bench a game uh, on a, a monthly or so basis. Um, I mean, you've got, you've got lots of players, we can think of them all at, um, at major clubs, who are hardly getting a kick. And this provides an ideal opportunity. The pressure's off. I mean, sometimes it's still quite competitive, but it's an ideal uh, way of giving these guys a game. And if you get knocked out early, as uh, one or two have, uh, the uh, the 25-man squad is looking too many, unless you get injuries, of course. 
And there are players, notable players, who are earning a hundred grand a week, who are never going to get a kick. And so I think the the value of the Carabao Cup is immense, actually. I mean, it goes without saying that it's an underdog's uh, chance to shine and all that, but it's also good for the overdogs. And I think that sometimes gets a little bit lost in the in the argument. Yeah, getting back to the games. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting uh, stuff, actually. I think Newcastle have shown that um, they uh, they aren't actually a bad side. That uh, sluggish start they made to the season is now well and truly forgotten. Uh, good performance against Man City. And since we mentioned them, since you raised the subject that they uh, they might be struggling this season, uh, they've won every game, Cam. Mm, so, I know. Don, uh, Eddie Howe might be uh, offering you a, a ticket to home games after that. Um, <laughs> Liverpool were comfortable winners, and uh, but Everton, I think, were the big winners because uh, although it's only they're not going to win the tournament, but it was a real morale booster, and it showed that their recent form in the league is not a fluke, and they've given themselves a hope. That's the big thing. They've now got hope, where a couple of weeks ago they didn't have any. They were down in the dumps. So uh, it's, it's, it's good for that. It's the well, hope that, 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 that kills you. The draw's good for Everton as well. I wouldn't say Everton won't win it because um, they've got Burnley. And then you hit the quarterfinals. Like going to Goodison, if, if you're in the quarterfinals, nobody would fancy that if Everton get, get past Burnley. So, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for Everton uh, as, a, as a Merseysider. This is such good news for them that, they, that, that they've turned their... Well, they seemingly turned their season around in the last couple of games. Yeah, but isn't it also just a, a an unnecessary distraction? Shouldn't they? I mean, they could make a pick up injuries. They could get excited when they should be concentrating on the Premier League. Uh, it's a waste of time, isn't it? No, it is not a waste of time. And you annoy me when you wind me up. <laughs> well, no, I... it, it is a trophy. It is worth competing for. Uh, it provides confidence. Um, and it, it could be the turnaround for Everton's season. If football is not just about the big money Premier League. It has become that, but football uh. never was about that. And just going back to Bob's uh, message earlier, the occasional players um, get getting games. There used to be a perfectly good reserve league where players would be getting regular games, but that's been watered down now to an under-21s league and nobody cares about it. It used to be something that people used to care about. Not all progress that we're seeing is not necessarily good for the game. Okay, well, speaking of which, Bob or Des, whoever knows about this, Ipswich. Ipswich won their match, and I'm hearing good things about Ipswich. They're currently second in the championship. They're apparently playing very, very attractive football, and it's been a long time since they've been in the top tier. Um, should we be keeping an eye out for them? Yes, um, we should. Ipswich is a name that... Um... We used to, they, they were in the Premier League or the, uh, the Division One, as it was then called, a regular, on a regular basis mm. in, the, uh, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, Bobby Robson made his name there as uh, manager and uh, they won the FA Cup. They played in Europe. Uh, they never quite nailed the uh, league championship, though. They had several near misses. But they were, they were among the big six or seven of of their day, as uh, as incredible as it may seem. Um, they've been in the wilderness for two or three decades now, but it's good to see them uh, having a moment in the sun. Um, I mean, they have a 
good football heritage there in Ipswich. It's out, out on the sort of on a limb. It's in the southeast corner of the country, and uh, it's a rural sort of environment, not a normal football hotbed. But they do have a history, and they have passionate fans, and it's good to see them coming back. It's it's the work of Kieran McKenna, who's um, come from under, I think it was an assistant to uh, Jose Mourinho, and he's um, really taken Ipswich on. They're playing a lovely brand of football. Uh, they they are, as Bob said, they are a, a team uh, from the outer edges of, of the UK, so it's good to see them doing well. But there's also a local uh, issue for this. They've got a fellow called Elkan Baggett playing for them, who's an Indonesian international, and he gets mobbed every time he comes back uh, to Southeast Asia to play in competitions, but he's getting regular starts for them. So, yeah, there's, there's a local-ish interest uh, to see Ipswich doing well, and um, it, it it's good to see the smaller clubs, the smaller teams uh, getting uh, a little bit of coverage. So, um, yeah, if you like it, Bridget. Oh, it's also... Uh... It's where my mother lives, actually. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, not not that she or I have any particular attachments to Ipswich, but it's, it's nice to see them happening. Apparently, a, a good um, a good following as well. There, they're good. They're good people. The the fans, the Ipswich fans. So we move on, and we're going to go. Forget about all these good times, small stories. We're going to go to the Premier League when we come back here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam, and Des and Bob. And now we go to the Premier League. And Des, we're going to start with you again because we're going to go to the big one. The big match, which is Tottenham Hotspur versus Liverpool. Second versus fourth. And once upon a time, I would imagine Liverpool would have gone, um, come on, lads, it's just Tottenham. But they might be a bit concerned this time. Uh, very concerned because uh, the Ange um, revolution is really taking uh, hold at Tottenham. Uh, a very good draw against Arsenal. That that was a, a, a superb game last week in the North London derby, two apiece. Um, and Liverpool have got into the propensity of going behind early on in games and uh, winning fr- coming from behind. That will be a little bit more difficult against Tottenham, although you can score goals against Spurs. They... Um, they conceded what they got, the late winners against Sheffield United, and they conceded a couple against Arsenal. But this promises to be a, a thrilling match because mm. neither Jurgen Klopp nor Ange Postacoglu really believe in teams sitting deep and defending. They like to go and score goals. Um, and this could be another game like the Arsenal game, a rip-roarer, where both teams are really going for it. Um, uh, for all the money in the English Premier League, it, if it can buy games like this, this is when it becomes worthwhile. Uh, so Tottenham versus Liverpool is one to really look forward to. Um, Tottenham Stadium will be absolutely jam-packed. Um, fabulous. Really looking forward to this. Absolutely. So, Bob, is it going to be 6-5 to Liverpool or 6-5 to Spurs? Uh, I think uh, Liverpool. Um, I think they've got a, they're on a roll. They've got some momentum. And I think they've discovered that the, the uh, follow-up to the famous, famous front three is actually five or six players who interchange, and they're doing it superbly. Mo Salah is the uh, is the is the main man. Of course, he's the lone survivor of that that trio, but uh, he's got a choice of of partners, um, and I don't think even Klopp knows really who his best uh, three are at this point. But he has the luxury now, with five substitutes, of being able to take a bit of a chance on on someone. And then if it doesn't quite work out, 
you can switch at half time or um or a bit later on um so he he was always a, a big uh mover for the five substitutes Jurgen Klopp and you can see why now he takes full advantage of it and there's not a lot to choose between uh having uh Diogo uh Diogo Jota or uh Lewis um yes. on the um on the left wing or or Darwin Nunes or Cody Gakpo um and then you behind them in the packing order You've you've got uh, Harvey Elliott and you've got Curtis Jones, but although Curtis Jones actually played right back in midweek, which again shows the incredible versatility of some of these players. So I think Klopp is now realizing that that Saudi Arabian raid in the summer was probably not such a bad thing because they got rid of two old stagers who he did want to keep, but they got good money for them. And it made them look at their squad, look at the depth that they actually had. And when you start thinking about these guys, and there's a certain Tiago Alcantara still on the books. I mean, you've almost forgotten you'd forgotten him. I mean, he's hardly played in the last 18 months, but this is a world-class player. And he hopefully is coming back to fitness. So with this option as well, Really, Liverpool have a surfeit of riches, and they've got Bajetic back, uh, the Spanish guy, the 18-year-old who was a, a stunning success last season, and they may have found another in uh, Gerald Kwanza, a very good, cool head at the back, 20 years old, 1.9 metres tall, and he hasn't put a foot wrong yet. So, all things being equal... This is looking good for Liverpool. I, I take Liverpool to win this game. Oh, so there you have it. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur are going to win, going to thrash Liverpool. Um, you I won't be on next week. I won't <laughs> be on next week. They do. <laughs> okay. And now we move on to uh, Des. Two teams that lost during the week in the, in what's it called? The, the League Cup. Carabao. Carabao Cup. Carabao, sorry, Carabao Cup. Uh, Villa and Brighton. This is, this is amazingly... Um, I would never, I would ever imagine this at the beginning of the season. This is third versus sixth, and the third Brighton. They've been playing some of the best football in the league this season. I, I think we all predicted uh, Villa to be there or thereabouts. Um, they've had uh, one or two disappointing performances: Newcastle away, Liverpool away, where they had their two defeats. But generally, they're they're a solid team. Losing to Everton in the League Cup will have hurt them a little bit. But look at where they are in the league. Uh, Unai Emery knows exactly what he's trying to do with Aston Villa. Uh, they look compact. They look difficult to beat. Brighton continue just to uh, thrill us all. Um, the, the the players that they've got, the Zerbi has got them playing well. I am still convinced that you can't spend or you can't give two hundred million dollars to um, of, of talent away to Chelsea and and others and expect to still be up there. But they've started ever so brightly. Uh, five wins out of six. They are third and playing really bright, progressive uh, football going forward. I, I can't see it uh, carrying on, but I said the same last year and they did carry on right to the end and, and, and game six. So I'm um, looking forward to this. This is a big test for Brighton. It's a big test for Villa as well, but I anticipate Villa to have a little bit more street smart and Brighton eventually just to lose that luster that they've really had at the start of the season. But I'd love to be proven wrong with Brighton, but Villa to take this one, I think. 
And uh, Bob, would you agree with that? I mean, I, I on the on the Monday show, we were all of us rhapsodizing about Mitoma and what a wonderful footballer he is. Uh, he's one of the just one of the delights of watching football at the moment. Absolutely, um, yes, I, I, I would agree. I think uh, Villa um, they've um, underperformed a little bit this season. Uh, perhaps expectations were raised a little too high, but uh, Unai Emery. Uh, I mean, he's a top manager. I think he'll sort them out. And uh, But Brighton, I mean, they do have uh, real quality there in Mituma, as you say, and also uh, Ewan Ferguson. Mm. Um, great potential there. So uh, it's, it's a little, it's a new f- thing for Brighton. Under Graham Potter, they'd always play nice football, but lacked a, a, lacked a finishing touch. Now... They've got uh, a, a potentially top striker, uh, the Irish Harland, I think uh, Ferguson is um, being <laughs> dubbed as. Uh, he's got goals in him. He's a big lad. Um, he's had a, one or two injuries this season, so we've not seen him at, quite at his best. But if he got a run of games and with Matoma on the wing, you've got two really top-notch guys there. So you've got goals. Brighton has now got goals in them. Which is something mm. they'd never used to have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. scorers in the league, aren't they? Eighteen. It's 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 terrific. Yeah, I think. Gosh, I can't I see it's happening. Yeah, it's three three goals a game. It's, it's wow. super. I mean, that's a turnaround for a club that's just a selling club. Des, not bad. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Des. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Man City, two teams that lost uh, in the Carabao Cup. Uh, did we learn? And I mean, is, is there a weakness? Was there? Is there an Achilles heel now that we've discovered to Man City? Uh, Man City always at the start of seasons they have the odd little result that goes against them. But you look at their league record: Cam played six, won six, sixteen goals scored, only three conceded. Uh, they they added to their a real depth by getting Nunes from Wolves. Uh, so that tells you that Man City are improving. Wolves, uh, we I think we all had. Um, uh, predictions that they were going to struggle this year because they lost so many players. In Jota, they've got uh, a bright spark, but uh, I can't see anything other than a comfortable Manchester City victory here because they are a relentless machine that are human, particularly in the early parts of the year, but they're a relentless machine. I hope Wolves do them, but I just can't see it happening. Man City to take this one relatively comfortably, a two or a three um, goal cushion for them. Yeah, mm. yeah. Bob, we're going to skip past Man City uh, and Wolves uh, because, well, and if if it turns out to be an upset and Wolves win this one, then obviously I'll regret that, but it seems unlikely. Um, meanwhile, though, Manchester United versus Bristol Palace. Uh, Manchester United won their, their League Cup and they're going to be playing Newcastle United, which is a repeat of the final from last season. Uh, Manchester United, are they're getting their act together. They are good now. Well, they're slowly um, coming round, aren't they? They couldn't have uh, carried on uh, as they were. Uh, one or two players coming back from injury uh, made a difference. And uh, Amrabat, the uh, Moroccan defensive midfielder, also provided a bit of solidity at the back. So, uh, yes, um, okay. Uh, you'd expect them to beat Crystal Palace, but um, they they did the job, so... Yeah, they, they're, they're sort of creeping back. Worth mentioning, Crystal Palace, um, Dean Henderson, uh, the ex-Manchester United goalkeeper, one of mm. two ex-Manchester United goalkeepers at Crystal Palace, 
came back after uh, ooh, nine months out, and in taking a goal kick, he did his leg again, the very same injury that put him out for nine months. And that was the reason Forrest didn't take the gamble and buy him from United. But Crystal Palace did pay 20 million for him. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a, it was a tragedy for Henderson. We just hope he's not seriously injured, hasn't got a, a real permanent sort mm. of injury there, permanent weakness. But uh, Sam Johnston, who, uh, who has been keeping goal in the league for them, had a blinder and kept the score down. And I don't know what they're doing with two England international goalkeepers at Crystal Palace. It's shades of Arsenal with uh, Ramsdale and, and uh, Raya. Is this becoming a fad, uh, Des? Uh, I mean, clubs having two top keepers. Uh, but uh, one of it looks like uh, Crystal Palace are down to one now for for some time. And, and actually, when I um, the Henderson injury, there were so many people saying really cruel things on um, social media. <laughs> Big surprise um, about his injury. I mean, especially it's a, you know he's this his livelihood. It's just really cruel to say things when he. It physically breaks down like that. Des, uh, well, actually, Bob there spoke more about Crystal Palace than I was expecting to talk about Crystal Palace. In fact, probably done our quota for the season. But um, and because I have been apologising to Crystal Palace fans for weeks now, saying sorry we haven't said anything. But there you go, Bob. Bob's done done you proud. And so, uh, Des. Meanwhile, Bournemouth versus Arsenal. I thought Arsenal were really really good at the beginning of the Spurs match I mean really terrific and then and then not that's because Tottenham are a good team I mean I think we're so used to Manchester City being able to dominate and we're expecting Manchester City to win games and that's the standard that that the the rivals have to to do but Arsenal aren't a Manchester City they don't have that depth yet but they're still a very good team as as are Tottenham uh, Declan Rice has, has brought solidity to them. Um, I thought Enketia would be a better player up front for them than he has proven to be. I thought this was going to be his season and he was going to break through. It's not really worked out like that. And they look a little bit lightweight up front Arsenal, despite the two goals against Tottenham. But they're, they, they are a, they're a more difficult team to beat now. I think there's more resilience and organisation to Arsenal, the old school Arsenal, uh, than there was last year. And I think they're a tough team. And they've, they've won a couple of difficult games already this year. It's early in the season. Uh, you, you've just got to win games. Then you get into your rhythm. And you look where Arsenal are unbeaten. Four wins and two draws, including that um, uh, draw against Tottenham last week. They're still going to challenge. They're not quite the fluent team of last season. But I think they're more resilient. And Declan Rice makes a, a big difference lap. If Rice is injured then they become a little bit more vulnerable. Um, he adds a little bit of solidity, kind of almost a, a third centre-back. If he's injured, and um, th- th- there is talk that he, he might be missing uh, the Bournemouth game, then they become a little bit more vulnerable, and that's when we'll really see uh, about Arsenal. But they invested $100 million to make them more um, defensively aware so they could they can have a, a, a bigger run at the league championship this year. Uh, I think Arsenal is still there. Again, I see them comfortably beating Bournemouth here, who I think... Uh, for all their hard work, will be in real trouble at the end of the slot. Bob, Bob, I'll give you 30 seconds on Arsenal, or Bournemouth, for that matter, if you want to treat the Bournemouth fans. (laughs) Well, all right. Uh, Bournemouth have strengthened in midfield. They've got Tyler Adams, the American 
uh, skipper, I believe, from Leeds, um, Tyler and, and Tyless. Um, he's the kind of guy that tries to cover every blade of grass, and I think Bournemouth have recognised they had a weakness in midfield. And they've also bought Alex Scott from Bristol. Um, not that anyone really would have heard of him, but he's a promising young player. So they strengthen where they need to, but I, you can't see them troubling Arsenal. Um, Arsenal really, I think, are a, are a good side. I know I was very confident that they'd beat Spurs uh, last weekend, and I was a bit surprised they didn't. But um, they, they're still a work in progress. Mm. They, um, but they, they, uh, yeah, it would be a major upset if uh, Bournemouth even got a draw against Arsenal. Uh, okay, we we move. We must move. Got to take a break, and in a moment we come back with um, the big matches, the truly big matches uh, that involved uh, Nottingham Forest here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. And we're back. Welcome to part three with myself, Cam Rusland. Then there's Des Corkill and Bob Holmes. Uh, by the way, folks, have you two? I mean to ask you this. Have you two watched the uh, the documentary made about Paul Merson, by Paul Merson, on uh, gambling, gambling addiction? No, no. Uh, folks, if you're if you're out there, you should watch it. It's, it's really good. Paul Merson, the ex uh, Arsenal player, who's a, a good pundit as well, and he talked about how he has, in his time, gambled seven million pounds at least. I think uh, the message there, Cam, is avoid gambling. Uh, absolutely, um, and find out why if you go watch Paul Merson. So uh, we move on, Des. Uh, this one, it, it's kind of a, a derby. It's kind of a local rivalry, Fulham versus Chelsea. I think Fulham, think of it as a rivalry. Chelsea, I don't think, even notice Fulham. But they should be noticing them now because Fulham are in 11th and Chelsea are in 14th. So finally, Chelsea, they've won their Carabao Cup. They might start scoring goals, perhaps. Yeah, I, that Bob used the word uh, work in progress for Arsenal. Chelsea are absolutely a, a work in progress. Um, Pochettino has been given a bunch of players that he's got to get working together. He's got rid of some. He's bought others in. It's a young team. But at some stage, it wasn't against Villa last week. Uh, Gogolov was worried that Chelsea would start mm. to turn it on. At some stage, and before a third of the year, a third of the season has gone, I'm fully expecting this Chelsea team to actually say, oh, this is how we play. Oh, this is how we do. And and Jackson to start converting more. Mudrick to start creating more. Uh, Conor Gallagher to start showing the form that he did at, at, at Crystal Palace. At some stage, they will come good. Uh, Fulham away is difficult. That, that, that Craven Cottage is a cracking little stadium now, particularly with that big stand. The noise stays in. It used to dissipate over, over the Thames, but now the noise stays in. And it's a wonderfully atmospheric stadium when they're, when they're on song. So a, a difficult place to go. But Chelsea, I'm, I'm going to keep on saying it until it actually happens. Chelsea to come good, um, possibly here. So, somebody's going to get a spanking from Chelsea, a 4 or a 5 nil, as they just realise this is how you play. This is what we do. Sterling's too good. Gallagher's too good. Jackson's too good. Mudrick's too good. Too many good players going forward for them not to eventually click. Um, defensively, they're relatively strong, but they will click at some stage, Chelsea. I, I think, though, we've seen teams that should come good and have never come good. And uh, I, I don't know. It, there's no, there's no science in what you say there, Des. 
but they've got so many good players that that's that's the key. Uh, the teams who we think should come good, like Aston Villa, I suppose they they signed so many good players under Steven Gerrard. But I think Pochettino is a really good coach, particularly with young players, and I can see him gelling them, uh, him him getting them to gel together. Wins like they had the the one nil scruffy one nil over Brighton in midweek. That, that they're so good for teams. Um, well, I, I love as a goalkeeper as well. I think they've got all the correct bits. Okay, but Bob. Uh, meanwhile, though, uh, Mourinho's having a terrible start in Italy with Roma. I sh- I'm sure he'd be open to being persuaded to return to Chelsea for what would it be the fourth well, time? The Fifth? third, the third, third, third time. Coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, I don't think they um, they're going to. Uh, I don't think Pochettino is in any danger. They um, for all the. Uh, the um, madness of of their signings. Uh, they're not very keen on sacking people. They kept uh, Graham Potter on uh, much longer than I think most owners would have done, hoping that things would turn around. Now uh, Pochettino's hardly had a fraction of Potter's time, so he's not in any danger yet. Unfortunately for him, though, Jackson uh, is suspended. He's picked up uh, five yellow cards, none of them for dirty play, all for uh, jabbing, jabbing to the referee. So, uh, you know, he hasn't learned his lesson. And with uh, Christopher Nkunku still out, it means that Chelsea are going into the next match without a striker of any description. But I think they've shown sufficient improvement around there are goals in their full backs don't forget i mean they've got they've got attacking full backs chelsea they've got goals in the team and i think they will click this could be the day all right okay um i do hope not because i really can't stand chelsea <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry my bias is coming out i should be professional about these things at all the time well um bob speaking of being professional at all times bob bob holmes um <laughs> i'm gonna ask you i know what's coming <laughs> <laughs> about the truly big match over the weekend, Nottingham Forest, the mighty Forest, against Brentford. But actually, um, jokes aside, this has been a good, a very good start. Seven points, it's not it's not a huge amount, but it puts them in 12th um, against Brentford, who are one below in sixth. Uh, it, this is a, a promising start for Forest? Uh, yes, uh, very promising. Um, certainly, uh, they would have taken it when the fixture list was announced. Uh, they they had to play four of the big boys away from home in the first six games. Uh, so uh, they've done very well to get this many points. Uh, they, they lost three of those games. They only beat Chelsea, but they did win at home um, in one and, and got a draw in another. So Hence the uh, the relatively lofty perch that they now reside in, and they'll be uh, they're one place above Brentford, and Brentford have not been playing that well this season, uh, and Forest will will definitely fancy this. I, I just hope they don't get too complacent. But everybody is saying that they're a better side than uh, last time, and they bought well and all this. But you know, Brentford are, are no mugs and. If if Forest don't take it seriously, they um you know they could be uh, surprised here. So I'm not counting any chickens, but it looks like a game 
where Forest should get three points. When they looked at the fixtures and they saw all those tough away games, they were they would have been um, looking forward to this period. They've got Luton coming up soon as well. So they've got a, a relatively easy, on paper, a run of games. So to be in the top half of the table after those six games is uh, is way beyond expectations. So with a with a definitely a better side, um, still sorting it out. As, you know, when you buy that many players, you you can't give everybody a game. That, that's been Cooper's uh, problem. But he's pretty good at sorting it out, like he did last season. Eventually. Yeah, and uh, he's he's uh, he's improved the the team. They're unrecognisable. I mean, two years ago they were heading for the the third tier, and that's why they had to buy so many players. Yeah. So, uh, what you know, once again, if uh, we, we always exceed our Nottingham Forest a lot a lot of time, but you know, good luck to them and and professionalism there though. Uh, Bob Holmes never said we once. It's always they. That's uh, well, the first time I think. Yeah, yeah, did did it very well there. And <laughs> meanwhile, though, uh, Des Corkill, Everton versus Luton Town. Everton, you've already said now, they're on the rise. Luton Town, what hope do they have? But then again, Luton, they're not expecting to to even remain in the league, really. They're hoping, but there's no expectation. Yeah, I I, I think you've, you've got it there. They'd, they'd like to. They'll try and be as competitive as they can. Gary O'Neill is trying to make them as organized, difficult to break down. But they uh, lost the Texas in midweek, and you kind of go, ooh, all right, is is that the standard that we were expecting of them? I would have been worried about this if I was, uh, a week ago, if I'm an Everton fan, I'm worried about this. But now, the results of the last two weeks, the, the victory um, last week, and then the, the midweek League Cup, and the performance of James Garner and Jared Braithwaite at uh, centre-back, uh, the fact that um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is back and scoring goals and looking fit, and they've always got that obdurate uh, midfield three. I'm, I'm a lot more confident that Everton, they, they won't win the league or anything, but that they have got a better base uh, for Sean Dyche to work with. Um, as for Luton, it'll be worthy. Um, they'll work hard. They'll make life as difficult as they can. But even against their limited Wolves last week, they struggled to break them down. I really don't see where the, the, the Luton goals are going to come from. Um, other than press pressing, they, they don't seem to be creating an awful lot. So, uh, yeah, Everton, to carry on a good week for them. Um, we've still got to find out about the investment. There's still real concern about the investment at, at Everton. And there is still the danger that if they go into administration, uh, there could be big fines and points deductions. But that's uh, a potential road ahead. For now, Everton enjoying a little bit of um, plus marks. And I think uh, they will be far too good for Luton and they'll uh, pick up um, another three points. Yeah, but uh, Des Corkill, can I can I please remind you though? In the past, when he was with Burnley, you never had a nice word to say about Sean Dyche and Dyche Ball. Yeah, I've, no, I've never been a defender of Sean Dyche. I hate the way that he sets teams up. But uh, for Everton, it's a case of needs bust because if they do go down, I really worry. Uh, without proper investments, I really worry that they won't come back up again. Um, but they've got young players. They are battling. They've got results. They've got Dominic Calvert Lewin back. And much as uh, I don't like the way Sean Dice sets teams up, for Everton it's a case of we've got to get points. Now, I, I can't see Luton uh, being good enough to come away with anything uh, from Goodison Park. Because Goodison, the fans are right behind them once again. They really are. They're, they're a, a great, great group when they're on your team, the Everton fans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, isn't that true for all fans, though? <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Some sit sit on their hands. Some sit on their hands. But Everton, even when in adversity, they'll if you get it wrong, they'll they'll crucify mm. you. But uh, for the most part. They are fabulous fans to have on your side. Mm. I think that's a very cruel thing to say about Arsenal fans, though, there, Des. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of bad uh, news about um, the money situation again, though, if I may uh, come in with this. Uh, and it's not the prospective buyers, 777, but actually Moshiri, the owner that's uh, selling out. There are doubts about where his money came from. And a report this week suggested... It came from Alicia Usmanov, the former Arsenal director, oh. who was banned along with Roman Abramovich when the Ukraine war started. And if that is the case, this Usmanov should have been treated the same as Roman Abramovich and, a, a, and an enforced sale made of the club, which is what happened to Chelsea. Let uh, Todd Bowley and company come in. So there's that extra worry there for Everton fans is, as if they didn't have enough on their plate. Yeah, they're investigating uh, uh, Moshiri's money because he'd only ever been an accountant. He wasn't a businessman. And you wonder where he's... He's suddenly a billionaire almost overnight. You wonder where it came from. It's pretty obvious he was Usmanov's accountant. He lent him or gave him the money. Usmanov so, was a major shareholder in uh, Arsenal. Arsenal, not a major. He was. A, he tried to take over from Stan Kroenke. He had thirty odd percent at one point. Thirty odd percent of Arsenal, but um, he was. Uh, he, he gave up in the end. He was never going to oust Stan Kroenke. So he turned his attention to Everton um, hmm. through through Mashiri, his his right hand man. And there there were suspicions at the time where this money was coming from, and now there's a, there are even more. So there could. There could be some more trouble there for yeah. Everton. I don't know, but but I think I think you're you're overreacting there. The the friend, the fit and proper person committee would have vetted <laughs> this. They would have gone would through they? this. Would yes, they? They, they would have gone through this, and and you know we they would have found out if anybody was wrong or or a or a I'd nation like state. I'd like to see this committee in action. I really would. <laughs> yes. Um, it, you just open the door and there's just this room full of skeletons all kind of covered in cobwebs. <laughs> but to be fair to, to those who have to do these testing, the skullduggery isn't from them. And uh, the, it really should be on teams themselves to actually self-bet and, and the other teams to self-bet. For, for us to actually go pointing fingers at uh, the Premier League's fit and proper test, it, it was never designed, football was never designed the skull degree that we're seeing, the financial... Yeah, the, 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 the kind of money we're talking about now it's, is... It's, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. And I think we're being very unfair in criticising. Okay, well, De Des taught us there. We won't do that again. Um, in a moment, we'll just finish off the Premier League and then we will look at Malaysian football here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And welcome back to part four with myself, Cam, and Des and Bob. And now we've got two more matches to do, but I, I'm going to like see if I can put them together because it's it's West Ham versus Sheffield United. It's also Newcastle versus Burnley. And so I want to focus actually on United, Sheffield United and Burnley. I want to ask the question, Des, the the last season, the, the, the three teams that promote, were promoted, they stayed in the Premier League. This season, we've got three 
the bottom three are the are the, the newly promoted teams. And is this the worst batch of promoted teams we've ever seen? Or seen for a very long time? I think before the season, we, we were all saying that Luton and Sheffield United, we expected to struggle at uh, poor old Sheffield United after losing four late goals in back-to-back-to-back-to-back weekends. They then ship eight at home uh, to Newcastle. Um, so I think Sheffield United, we did expect to struggle. Burnley, I don't think we did. Uh, to answer your question, Luton and Sheffield United, problematic because I don't see where their goals are going to come from. Everything has got to be earnest and hard work and they can't afford to make defensive errors. Burnley, we expect it to be a little bit more proactive going forward. They do have a game in hand but um, and, and they've had some difficult games to start but four defeats and a draw in their first five games. Yeah, they, they it, it could be difficult but that just shows you, Cam, the difference between the money at the top and uh, the, the money disappearing um, da, da, down the leagues. The inequalities are getting more and more obvious year after year after year. Um, Bournemouth are now perceived to be a bigger team than Burnley or Sheffield United and that's crazy. So, yeah, yeah they could struggle. Mm. Um, was... this, this inequality has got to be addressed in some way, shape or form. Otherwise, we're just going to have a, a top six and a, a million billionaires. Mm. Those three teams that went up the previous year, Fulham, uh, Bournemouth and Forest, all had a certain uh, amount of spending power. Well, um, when they did go up, they, they did spend it. Um, and uh, that's why they stayed up. I mean, they had Forest had virtually a, an entire new side. Um, Bournemouth actually uh, spent quite a bit as well under the radar, but they, they did. And, and Fulham. So I think that's the difference. These three uh, we're talking about, they didn't spend much money at all. But Burnley, don't forget Burnley, romped away with the title. Yeah, and, um, and praised they, for, the, for the way they yeah, played their football. Yeah, I think Burnley, I, I don't think Burnley will go down. I really don't. I think they're going to come good. They've got some very good young players and a good manager. Yeah, but um, I, I don't know, I haven't looked this up, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bournemouth isn't actually a bigger club in terms of budgets etc than say AC Milan even these days um I haven't looked it up but I, I you know but having said that the the Premier League the top 10 sure Man City is sort of I think pretty unassailable but below that you have 10 teams that are swapping around their positions which are can beat each other on any given day that's really quite something I think isn't it Des, I mean, money pays, money buys you good football. No, the only the only teams who are punching above their weight are Brighton. Uh, you you wait till the end of the season; it'll be the money list that is at the at the very top as usual, um, and that's not good. It, it's it's like it's like Bayern Munich winning ten in a row in Germany. It's not good for football. Manchester City have won five of the last six in what is meant to be the most competitive league, uh, and you said apart from Manchester City, but everyone else is run by billionaires. It's it's. The inequality is just crazy. Brighton are the only ones kicking above their weight. And as I've said, I expect them to fall away. I don't know. Back in the day, Nottingham Forest, they were they were not a rich club. They won the European Cup twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they had a good team. Yeah. But... And Ipswich won a European trophy because they had a good team. Yeah. They, those days are over, though, Cam, um, sadly. I mean, you can get a, get a run to a quarterfinal or something, but that's about... That's about it, I think, now. Um, and uh, it's sad. Uh, Brentford, we haven't mentioned. I think they've punched above their weight. They've managed to stay up for two seasons. 
uh, when they were expected to go straight back down. But they're struggling a bit this year, uh, missing their star man, Ivan Tony. But if they get big money for him and they buy wisely, they could still stay up. Uh, so it can be done. And Brentford and Brighton have, have uh, found the, uh, the formula through their uh, research uh, networks and their mm. databases. And they've got an incredible scouting operation that's the envy of uh, bigger clubs um, because they've got two very bright young men who are uh, the chairman who are behind this, two, two technical wizards mm. um, in uh, Tony Bloom and um, Matthew Benham. Um, and that's that's a secret for their success. And a lot of clubs are copying them. Mm. And, and he's the poker player, isn't he? Bloom uh, is the poker player. Yeah, yeah so mm, well, gambling is good. I don't know. I'm confused now. <laughs> but it's not gambling. It's, 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 it's uh, statistics that they work on. Okay. Uh, and uh, and how, how long will this last? Let's, let's just see how long this lasts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be a house of cards. It could be a real, a real house of cards. Hey, uh, Des, I've, got, I've given you, I hope I've given you enough time now, though, to talk us through a lot of local football. Well, yeah, firstly, congratulations, Johor Dowell Taksim. I saw them beat a PDRM, the police team, by four goals to nil uh, to win the title with four matches to spare. Here's some statistics. 86 goals scored in 22 matches, seven conceded. They have only dropped one game. Uh, that wasn't a defeat. That was a, a three-all draw at Kedah in a thrilling game. Otherwise, they would be 22 out of 22. They are just outstandingly good at this level. They've invested very well. There's money behind them, but they've spent the, the money very well. Uh, the battles now remaining are the battle for second place. Salango currently are in pole position there. They've got 49 points with four games to play. They play at Tringanu uh, later on tonight. So that'll be an interesting game. Malaysia Cup is ongoing as well, where the semifinals uh, will see uh, Kuala Lumpur through, where they take on Tringanu and Johor take on Perak. Perak had a real surprise uh, victory against Sabah, uh, 1-0 for a 3-2 aggregate victory. But all looking forward, we're looking forward, I think, to the AFC Champions League next week where JDT want to put that local uh, dominance into really good use uh, on the uh, Asian scale. They go to BG Patam United of Bangkok. They need a win because as they, they, they lost to Kawasaki. They played well, but they lost to Kawasaki in their first game. BG Patam United lost to Ulstam. Johor really need to win if they are to uh, give themselves a, a realistic chance of qualifying for the group. And the other games to look out for next week in the AFC Cup, which is the second tier uh, this season anyway. Uh, Tringano have the tough task of going to Bali. They take on Bali United. Uh, both of those won their, in their first round of matches. Um, whereas Saba go to PSM Makassar. Uh, normally a good footballing side, but they've been struggling a little bit. But Saba themselves... Something's going on at Sabah. That defeat to Perak was unexpected. They've fallen away in the league. I think they need a good result against BSM Makassar. So plenty to look forward to. But Johor, as always, are the story. Um, and congratulations to them for that 10th consecutive Super League title. And we have a Gigi Giancarlo on going to be on on the Monday show. And so uh, his KLC uh, they have gone through. Did he do what? Was he? Did he play well? Do we have to walk on eggshells around him? Was he? Uh, yeah, he, no, he played well. He didn't get good. sent off. That's good. Um, yeah, let's make a change. They they they're <laughs> through to the semi-finals. Um, it was a good draw against yeah. Pahang. Uh, Ronald Morales scored 
um, in the first half and they didn't concede until uh, the 94th minute. So it was a little bit more comfortable than it suggests. Not right. that it's comfortable, yeah. but... Uh, 94th no, minute, I consider that a clean sheet. Yeah. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, Bob, uh, we're going to be leaving now, but uh, which games are you going to be looking forward to coming up over the weekend? Obviously, it must be the Spurs-Liverpool match. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, Forest-Brentford, of course, first, but uh, Spurs-Liverpool. Well, Spurs have been looking forward to their games two weeks yeah. in a row now. Something's yes. happening. Something's happening, isn't it? Um, it's that Ange fella. And, and and by the way, Bob, when you watch Forest games now, are you terrified or are you kind of like, hey, whatever, I'm cool? No, I'm I'm actually sitting on the sofa now rather than behind it. Right. That's, uh, that's something. And uh, Des, what are you looking forward to? I'm always fascinated by Everton to see whether or not they can get out of the, the deep, deep uh, pool of mud that they are in. If they can, I'll be delighted as a, a scouser. Um, if they can't, Gosh, I really worry for them. So I'll fingers crossed for Everton. Obviously, the Tottenham Liverpool game is the big one, but at the Everton match, I've always got a, a close eye on that. And Des, it gives me, it fills me with joy that you be looking forward to and supporting a Sean Dyche team. It's, it's. <laughs> I just feel I don't know what is that. Is, is there a German word for that? Uh, <laughs> Dyschenfreude. It's not Dyschenfreude. Dyschenfreude. That's a very good word. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And, um, well, uh, you know, see you all next time on Just for Kicks. But for now, thank you, Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, Des Corkill. Good, good luck with the continuing uh, commentary on the Asian Games. Yeah, it's been great fun. I'm uh, enjoying it. They call it work. <laughs> and myself, Cam Rustland. So thank you all. And see you next time on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Football tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8 p.m. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.